morning and wait and welcome if you truly believe that everything that you have is all because of him just join me in saying praise the lord this morning praise the lord what a wonderful way to declare 
um, our faith in the Lord and to begin our, our service. And it is wonderful to look out and to see you today. And we started a couple of weeks ago wearing name tags. And it looks like most everyone has a, a name tag on. It makes it a little easier to find out who we are and to learn people's names a little bit better. So if you um, forgot this week, just remember to stop out there at the table and Mel and Brenda will be out there and give you some assistance and just jot your name on a, on a name tag and we'll all get to know each other a little bit better. Well, it's a blessing to be here today on this almost end day of August. We had some rain last week, which was a real treat, and so far we haven't broken into those 101, 103, 105 temperatures, and I'm very grateful for that. If you're visiting here this morning, it is good to see you. We are glad that you're with us. If you are a regular attender, it is good to see you as well. Just a quick reminder, we have a a card here we use at Cross Timber called our Connect card. So if you're visiting with us and would like to have more information about the church, you can fill this out and drop it in the offering plate in a minute. If you just have a question or a comment, you can list it on this card or on the back side if there's something that you would like us to pray with you about. Just list that on the back. And please just mark whether or not um, you would like us to keep that um, inside the church office or if it's all right to share via our church email. And we would be glad to to do that and to pray along with you. So just take a minute and fill that out if you need to. And we'll um, put those in the offering plate when we drop it in just a a few minutes. just want to remind you of one main thing. And and that is tomorrow morning at 9.30, our... um, End of summer, early fall, adult Bible conference starts 9.30 in the morning. Dr. Jimmy Nelson will be here teaching from the first three chapters of the book of John um, about the subject of who Jesus really is. And so we invite you. There is absolutely no cost to come. Everyone is, is invited, and you can invite anyone you would like. But we do need some people to help. There is a, a sign-up sheet out in the hallway as you leave. On Monday and Tuesday, on Monday morning, we have a a brunch together, and on Tuesday, we have a snack time, and there are some things that you can sign up for if you would like to bring or provide some food. So if you have opportunity to do that and you feel like you could maybe bake something or bring something, just sign your name up there, and that will help us um, know what we have coming on Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday, um, lunch will be provided by the church, and so we invite you to, to be a part of that. Any of the days you're available, all of the days, and um, as always, it is a it is a blessing to hear from Brother Jimmy about the things of God's Word just through years of wisdom and practical application. It is always a blessing. Um, there's probably other items in the bulletin, just calendar-wise, that you may want to, to look at, to refer to, but we'll just let the bulletin speak for itself in that. Um, I'd like for us to read from, from God's Word together this morning and We're going to read from the 15th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Um, It's a familiar story to many people. Depending on what um, Bible you're using, you may see it called the parable of the prodigal son or the parable of the lost son. But nevertheless, it's a story that Jesus told to teach us of the loving kindness of our Heavenly Father. And so I'll begin reading in verse 11 of chapter 15, and I'm going to read down through verse 32, the end of the chapter. So listen along as we read from God's Word, and this morning I'm reading from the Christian Standard Translation. So Jesus also said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. 
So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it, and let's celebrate with a feast, because the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of his servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told them, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, Look, I have been slaving many years for you, and I have, been diso- and I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that while we were dead in our sin, that while we were lost and wandering like sheep without a shepherd, that you sent your son, Jesus, that we could have new life, that we could be found, that we could be welcomed back into your fold as your sheep. And so this morning we acknowledge that everything we have is from you. And we are thankful of your grace and mercy. And as we sing this morning with our hearts, help us to be thankful and remind us of the cost of what it took to bring men and women back to you. That through the precious blood of your son, through his death on the cross, that you made peace between you and between us. And that by faith in the living Lord Jesus, we can have eternal life. We can have peace with you. And we can be a part of your worldwide mission to share the best news ever. The the story that God is reconciling the world to himself in the person of Jesus Christ. 
And that brings hope. It brings joy. And so, Lord, help us to celebrate with joy and with hope as we spend time in this place. Speak to us by your voice. Show us very clearly whether we're the lost son in need of being found or whether we're the disgruntled son that stayed home and is looking down at others. Oh, Lord, help us to fight against pride, to fight against legalism, to fight against being judgmental, to fight against prejudice, to fight against the things of the flesh that raise up in us. Anger and jealousy and hate and malice. Oh, Lord, that we would be changed and transformed by the power of your Spirit and that we would come to know what your love means and what your love can do and the power and the presence of a life that is yielded to you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Help us as we worship to worship you in both spirit and in truth. And, Lord, as we collect our offering and our tithes, we thank you that you ask us to give a portion of what we have to you out of what you have blessed us with to to be a blessing to others. Lord, remind us that you multiply and use that for your work around the world and help us to see that no matter what we give, we can never outgive you. We thank you, Lord, for your love and for the generosity you give. You demonstrate to us in your son, Jesus, and we pray in his name. Amen. I believe in the sun. I believe in the risen. I believe I overcome by the power of His blood. Amen, amen. I'm alive, I'm alive because He lives. Amen, amen. Let my
with us this morning.
Thank you. You may be seated. have a Bible with you, I just invite you to turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll begin reading there in a few moments, starting with verse number 11, but I wanted to, to ask you a question this morning. Have you ever wanted to fix something that's broken? A couple of months ago, I dropped a Starbucks mug from Hungary. It was a gift from our missionary friends Gary and Carolyn Miller. Had it for several years. And just in a second, it slipped from my hands, it hit the kitchen floor, and it shattered into pieces, big and small. Now, initially, I hoped maybe I could fix it um, myself. But quickly, I decided it was a lost cause because there were tiny pieces there were big pieces and they were everywhere and really nothing could be done and well except sweep it up and put it in the trash the only hope i have is to maybe one day get a new coffee mug from hungary because the old one's gone it's broken swept up and in the trash And I tell you that little story just to remind you and to remind myself there's brokenness all around us. The world we live in is a sinful place and sin affects everything and every person. See, in the beginning, everything was perfect. God and man walked together in the garden in the cool of the day. Sin entered into the world and it shattered that relationship. Because that's what sin does. Sin shatters relationships. And all around us right now, on August the 22nd, there are shattered people. Broken relationships. People in need of someone to come and help them put everything back together. There's good news, though, because that's exactly what Jesus came to do. To heal the brokenhearted, to save those who were crushed in spirit, to restore what was broken. Jesus came to make all things new. To restore a relationship that was broken between God and man and to help us as fallen sinful men and women to be able to restore our relationships with one another. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about restoring relationships around the idea that God transforms lives and restores relationships through what the Bible calls the ministry of reconciliation. 
Now, I'd like for us to read from God's Word, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 11, and then we'll pray together. But listen to what Paul writes to these Corinthians. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one one has died for all, Therefore, all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Will you pray with me? The truth of your word says, very clearly that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. And that you, God, out of your gracious love, have made a way for men like me, men like that are in this room and ladies like that are in this room to be reconciled to you by giving your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in these moments that we have to look at your word, help us to understand what reconciliation is, how you reconciled to us and how we can reconcile to others. Help us to quieten ourselves before you, to limit our distractions, and to focus our hearts on what you want to speak to us. And we trust you will help us to do that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's exciting business that God is up to, that God is in the transformation business, that the old can pass away in Christ and the new has come in Christ. And in that, he gives us a ministry. And that ministry is reconciliation, very simply, taking what is broken or separated and bringing it back together. And so I have four things that are in the bulletin. If you would like to follow along, it may help you um, as you as you listen. There may be some other things that you want to jot down, but there are, there's a notes page at the, on the back page, and there are just four 
very simple points with a few blanks to fill in. And so if you, if you want to turn there and find that, that would be wonderful. But let's look at this together and see what we can learn about this ministry that God gives us, this ministry of transformation, of reconciliation, the business that God is up to of restoring relationships. Now, the very first thing you'll see there on your outline is that God offers reconciliation in Jesus. Now, we don't have to look very far to see that the world is in desperate need of reconciliation. Because the world we live in right now is troubled by sin and has been troubled by sin for thousands of years. That in the book of Genesis, we read about the first Adam, that through him, sin, death, guilt, and condemnation came into the world. That when Adam and Eve sinned there in the garden, that perfect relationship was broken. Creation itself was broken because of the sin, because the curse of sin affects everything. It affects lives, it affects relationships, it affects the whole world. And so because of sin, men and women apart from Jesus are separated from God. And people live, struggle to live in peace. Not long after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we have the first account in biblical history of murder. The story of Cain and Abel. We can read throughout history that country upon country have had endless disputes, fightings. Sometimes over very serious things such as property and values, but sometimes over very trivial matters as well. Communities argue and fight over issues. Marriages feel the strain and the weight of sin. And churches face divisions and fightings and quarreling. And so in a sentence we could say the world we live in is broken And it's in desperate need of healing. The need there is reconciliation. So what exactly is that reconciliation? In a general sense, the word that Paul uses here in Corinthians just means to change. It would be the idea of exchanging one value of currency for another. It would be like walking up to a clerk and saying, Can you give me four quarters for this dollar bill? It's to exchange things of equal value. It came to mean over time in relationships, two people that were in opposition, that were fighting, that were enemies, being transferred or changed into friends, making amends, restoring a relationship. The Moody Bible commentary gives a very, I thought, a very simple and helpful definition. It says it's the activity of God that exchanges a broken relationship with humanity with a restored relationship through the work of Christ on the cross. So it's an exchange of a broken relationship to a restored relationship. Now, in this relationship, God is the offended party. Our sin is an affront to a holy God. And we as human beings are the ones that are sinners in need of reconciliation. So we've got the problem. God doesn't, but he offers us the solution. 
and the solution we find in verse 18. How does God reconcile men to himself? All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So through the work of Christ, and when we talk about the work of Christ, the work of Jesus in the Bible, we remember that it's his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus lived a sinless, perfect life. He died on the cross in our place for our sins so that we could be in a restored relationship with God. Now, a key verse for us to understand in this process of reconciliation is found in Colossians. It's chapter 1, verse 20. I think you'll see it on the screen. Paul writes, And through him, speaking about Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Helping us to understand that this reconciliation that God paved the way for came at a very costly price. Peace through the blood of Jesus. It's hard to read that and not think about what a beautiful sacrifice that Jesus made on our part. As we read in Romans chapter 5 verse 10 that while we were still God's enemies, Christ reconciled us to God by dying for us. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, God doesn't count your sin against you. And he gives you his righteousness. When you see verse 21, he pictures it perfectly. Uh, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So Jesus took our sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now that is a better exchange than getting four quarters for a dollar. We give Jesus our sin. We take our lives and we give them to him. And Jesus takes all of our sin on himself. And what does he give us in return? Nothing but good. We get his righteousness. It's not by any work on our part. We do absolutely nothing but trust. It's by faith. And in that moment of faith, God works. Because God is the one that initiates reconciliation. It rarely works this way, that the offended party would be the one to bring about reconciliation. No, usually it's the one that's the offender that comes and says, hey, will you forgive me for what I've done? But no, in this wonderful story, the loving father runs out to meet the lost son and lavishes his love upon him so that we could be in a relationship with him. But every single person has to choose whether or not they want to accept what God lovingly provides. He offers that gift of reconciliation, of salvation to any and all that will receive it. But only the ones that place their trust in Christ experience reconciliation. It's not the heart of God for his creation 
to remain in sin, to live without hope, to exist in brokenness and be separated from Him. No, He desires that all men come to a saving knowledge in the Lord Jesus Christ to understand that Jesus died so that we could live and it's not just a regular kind of life it's a radically different kind of life than we could ever experience in anything else that in that reconciliation there's freedom from sin we're filled with his hope and we're mended in every way and we're drawn near to God because reconciliation with God brings transformation transformation that moment when you put your faith in jesus everything changes paul pictures it in verse 17 therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come we need to remind ourselves often that if you are in christ you are a new creation That God has done a radical work of transformation in your life. The Bible says it this way. You've been transferred from death to life, from darkness to light. You were once following yourself and the ways of your flesh, but now you're walking with Jesus in the power of the Spirit. The old has become new. You can go out to the store today and you can buy items that are re furbished you can save a little bit of money that way if you take the the gamble that that they really did repair it and it will work but they take something that's old or broken or returned and they fix it up they put it back in the box and they sell it you can also recycle we have a recycle bin that we roll out to the curb and we take things that we're done with and we put them in the recycle bin and we put them out to the curb so they can collect them and they can reform those into something else, use them for a different purpose. But when you are reconciled to God, you don't get a refurbished relationship. You don't get a recycled relationship. God transforms you into a new person altogether. The old has passed away. That's your old way of thinking, your old way of living. Those things are dead with Christ. And you no longer live to yourself, but you're alive to Christ. You've been delivered from the penalty of sin, and you're free to live a very different kind of life, a life that makes a difference. And in the middle of that sentence, Paul uses the word, Behold. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't use the word behold very often. But if I did use it, I would want people to pay attention to what I was about to show them. And that's exactly what Paul wants us to do. The old has passed away. Now, heads up, eyes on me. Paul says, the new has come. Because when Jesus comes into your heart, something surprising happens. Now, you have the same name. You probably still have the same body, but on the inside, what is taking place is it's the power of the resurrection at work in you. British pastor John Wesley said this. This is about the new man in Christ. He has a new life. 
new senses, new faculties, new affections, new appetites, new ideas, and new conceptions. The whole tenor of action and conversation is new, and he lives, as it were, in a new world. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. So be on the lookout, because God wants to do a new thing in your life. That's out with the old, it's in with the new. But there's more. Because with God, there's always more. It just gets better and better because a tra- He not only transforms our life, but He transforms the relationship from hostility toward God to peace with God. Remember that verse in Romans 5. Once we were God's enemies. Now we're His friend. How sweet it is in this day to say that you are a friend of God. And when God works reconciliation, He is working toward peace. Peace, first of all, between you and God, and then peace with other people in your relationships. And then when Jesus returns, praise be His name, peace in all things. Because one day Jesus is going to return and the Prince of Peace is going to stand on this broken earth and say, Behold, I make all things new. And then and only then will the line of that song that we sing at Christmas sleep in heavenly peace be true for everyone in every place. And oh, what a glorious day that will be. But we're not there yet. And we need to understand that when God talks about bringing peace, it is not just that nobody will fight, then that everyone will get along. No, God's idea of peace is so much larger. It's the Old Testament Hebrew word shalom, which means thing, it means wholeness or completeness. I like to think about it this way. It's things... Set the right way, the way God wants them to be. So it's everything set right with the one who knows right, putting them in the proper place. And when we see peace in the Bible, it's when God completely restores what has been broken. You see, I could have swept up the pieces of that coffee cup. I could have spent Hours with a tube of super glue trying to reform it and put it back together. But at the end of the day, you know what it would have been? A broken coffee cup that I tried to glue back together that would probably leak or cut my finger. But God completely restores. He makes it as if it was new. And through Jesus, He makes peace with us. That relationship that seems hopeless and helpless, He restores. And then He uses you and I to be messengers, to share the message of peace, to be people that promote peace, people who live in peace. As He says in Romans 12, that is as far as it's possible with us to live at peace with everyone. You see, as God's new creation, 
we should have a new way of living. That we will be growing daily in our love for Jesus. That we have new values, new priorities. That we understand that God gives us a new mission and a new purpose. Have you ever wondered to yourself, what does God want me to do? Now, I can't answer that question to the detail for every person, but I can tell you one thing that I know for sure. He wants you to be a part of His kingdom work. God's building a kingdom. It's a kingdom that will prevail against everything. It's a kingdom that will never fail. And He uses people that are called by His name to work in His kingdom. Another way of saying that is he wants to use you and I to minister to other people. Share his love. Spread the message of hope to other people. To be a comfort to people in need of comfort. To forgive other people. You see, all of those things are things that God initially has done for us. He, he loves us. He gives us hope. He gives us comfort. And he provides forgiveness. And because of Jesus... If you are a follower, you have the privilege of being able to pass along what God has blessed you with to other people. We are the means that God uses on this earth to pass down those things. And one of those things that is so important is reconciliation. So the third thing you'll see there in your outline is that God gives the ministry of reconciliation to those he reconciles to himself. It's there in Paul's words, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, churches, large and small, have many different kinds of ministries. There are children's ministries, youth ministries, adult ministries, senior adult ministries, men's ministries, ladies' ministries, singles' ministries, divorce care ministries. There's all kinds of ministries, and each one of them is for a very specific group. However, There's one ministry in the church that is for every person. It's the ministry of reconciliation. Because we said earlier, and I want to remind you again, sin breaks relationships. It breaks that relationship with God, and it destroys relationships in other places. And you can look around, and you can see the effect of sin and the damage that it is doing, that marriages are are broken Children are confused. Dads are defeated. Moms are weary. Homes are hurting. And everybody needs what? Help. And they're running to all sorts of crazy places looking for it. And everything they try is going to wind up empty. It may mask the pain for a moment, but in the end, they find themselves more empty and more hopeless. But the good news of the gospel brings about reconciliation. God's in the business of rebuilding families. Amen? God is the one who brings victory. 
He provides healing. He brings strength. And He provides clarity in the midst of a confusing world. Now, do those things sound like things you would like to see? If you agree, then you're agreeing to the fact that we need the ministry of reconciliation. But you may also be wondering, well, what in the world does that look like? Do we just hire someone or do we just start a a reconciliation ministry team? No. Paul gives the Corinthians the answer to the question. Look at verse 18. God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Paul, speaking about himself and the Corinthians, says, you know, Paul says, it's been given to me, it's been given to you as the church. And then verse 20, if you need more convincing, we, again, Paul talking about him and the church, are ambassadors for Christ. In other words, God calls every follower of Jesus to be a minister of reconciliation. So that that's right. If you are a follower of Jesus... You are in ministry. You're a minister. Verse 20. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. What does an ambassador do? Well, an ambassador's primary job is to represent their home country in a foreign place. For example, the United States has an ambassador to the nation of Israel and to many other countries. That person supports the interest of the United States in Israel, and that person also communicates on behalf of the United States to the country of Israel. An ambassador for Christ represents God's kingdom while they are on earth. And as ambassadors for Christ, we support and promote the interest and the agenda of God's kingdom. We live for Jesus and we represent him in the world. We live as peacemakers as we have opportunity and we get to share the good news of the kingdom. That good news that tells us that men and women can be reconciled to God. That people can be reconciled with one another. That's what we have the privilege of doing. Because you see the fourth thing, the message of reconciliation brings transformation and hope. As ministers, we have a message to communicate. And God speaks that message, the message of reconciliation through transformed people. You see, the change that God has worked or is working in your life is evidence that points to the truth that you belong to God. And when you share that testimony, this is what God has done for me. This is what God is working in my house, in my marriage, in my family. That testimony is undeniable because it's yours. It's personal. It's powerful. It's true. When you say this is how things were before we invited Jesus into our situation, heartache, wreck, pain, hurt, And this is how we are now 
that we have invited Jesus into our situation. He is making things new. We may not be there yet and being fully restored, but we are in the process. God is working. The old is gone and the new is coming. Coming. And that message that we share is simple to comprehend and it's powerful in its working. If you look at the very last part of verse 20 and the first part of 21, Paul says, We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, when I say it's simple, it's because Jesus painted the picture of faith as simple, childlike faith. That when we come to Jesus with faith, it is the faith of a child. We don't have to know all the answers. We don't have to understand everything. We just need to know one thing. That Jesus died for me so that I could live in him. And I turn away from myself and I turn to him. And in that process, in that work, Jesus takes our sin and our brokenness and he gives us new life, transformed life. In his first letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says it this way, and God raised the Lord, if, and God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. That when we receive that transformed life, we are raised up to new life in Christ. Free from the bondage and penalty of sin. Able to set ourselves on our mind on things that are above and realizing, as Colossians 3 tells us, that our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. It's a message that is desperately needed in our world, in our homes, in our churches. Because people are hurting. They're angry. They're living with unresolved bitterness. Men, women, and children are hurt and wounded and struggling and hopelessness and emptiness are all around us. And as His messengers, Jesus makes His appeal through us that we say to those people that there is a way for your hurts and your wounds to be healed. You don't have to live in anger and bitterness anymore. That can be replaced with the love of Jesus and that that emptiness you feel in your heart can be filled with the fullness of the measure of Christ. And you can go from living in hopelessness to abound in hope. Romans 15. The message of hope. Simply this, God restores relationships through His Son, Jesus. You can be right with God and you can be reconciled with other people. Oh, if we had time this morning, I would love to read the story of two brothers in Genesis, Jacob and Esau. Jacob, the trickster, stole his brother's birthright and blessing. And then he realizes, okay, I'm probably not safe here because my brother will likely try to kill me. 
he flees. He goes to the land of his mother where his uncle Laban lives and he spends 20 years there. He's tricked into marrying Rachel. He waits. He wants to marry Rachel. He's tricked into marrying Leah and after 20 years, he finally flees Laban and he starts heading for home. He finds out Esau is nearby and is starting to pursue him. So Jacob starts to make some plans. He divides his family and his flock up into two groups so that maybe at least one of them will survive. And he prays to God, save me. I pray from the hand of my brother, for I am afraid he will come and attack me. You can find this in Genesis chapter 32 if you want to read it. He provides an extravagant gift for his brother. So he divides his possessions and his family. He makes this wonderful gift and he is prepared to try to escape the situation by kind of smoothing things over with his brother. But after he makes those preparations, Jacob has an encounter with the Lord. He wrestles with God. He wouldn't let God go until God blessed him and God touches his hip. And in that moment, the trickster gets a name change. He's changed from Jacob to Israel, which means to wrestle with God. And so the next morning, the sun comes up and Jacob sees his brother. He sends the gifts out. He's going to try to soften the blow. He bows graciously before his brother seven times, thinking that this is going to save his life. But all the way, all the time, behind the scenes, because Jacob had prayed and because God had met him there, God was at work. And so after he prayed, God intervened and those lives were changed. And the relationship was restored. Listen to Genesis 33, verse 4. But Esau ran to meet him, Jacob. And, big pause, probably be a commercial moment if we were watching a movie or a TV show. Embraced him. And fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. That's reconciliation. That's what only God can do. Transform lives and restore relationships through the ministry of reconciliation. I've said it at least three or four times. There's brokenness all around us. People are hurting. They're helpless and they're hopeless. But we need to remember that reconciliation and restoration are possible. So before we pray, Let me just give you three quick things to make room for reconciliation, to make room for restoration. First, prayer is the top priority. Spiritual battles require spiritual power, spiritual weapon. That comes from God and not us. We don't have those items on our utility belt or in our toolbox. As we pray for that spiritual 
work to be done. We can pray for other people to be reconciled to God, first of all. People that need to receive the Lord Jesus and be saved. People that have wandered away from the faith. Praying for them to be reconciled to God. And then praying for God to bring reconciliation in your own relationships. That it would be true what it says in Romans 15, that as far as it's possible with us, that we would live at peace with everyone. But you would pray for your brothers and sisters in your church family for God to bring reconciliation in their lives as well. And then praying for God to do His work in our community. And as you pray for others, even your enemies, God works in your life. God will begin to give you compassion and love for those, even for your enemies. So prayer has to be the top priority. The second thing, closely related, is love must lead the way. I love in 2 Corinthians 5, we read through the verse, we didn't talk about it much, but Paul says the love of Christ controls us. It's the love of Jesus that moves us into action. But also, the Bible says that we should do everything in love. So, as love leads the way, we must also just let love be the atmosphere that we do everything we do in. We speak the truth in love. We serve in love. We devote ourselves to prayer in love. So prayer, love, and then finally, just a reminder, it takes time. Reconciliation between two people may not happen overnight. Forgiveness is an important part, but forgiveness is just the beginning of the journey of reconciliation. And so realize that it takes time. And when we're dealing with time and we're dealing with God's work, we always need to be reminded, first of all, to be patient, to trust that He is working, and to be persistent, to not give up in loving, to not give up in our prayers. See, God's given us the ministry of reconciliation. His desire is to restore relationships, to rebuild lives and rebuild families. And it starts with us being reconciled to God through Jesus. And then God working through us to be His ministers and to share His message that He wants to transform lives, restore relationships, and bring hope to a world desperately in need of it. Will you pray with me today? Jesus, we think about what you call us to do, and it's always a reminder that we can't do it by ourselves. But the encouragement is that you've never asked us to, and you've never intended for us to do it that way. And so this morning, as we simply think about your passion to restore relationships, Lord, first, of, first, help us to think about our relationship with you. 
search our hearts and our, our minds and, and just help us to answer the question honestly from our spirit, am I right with you, Lord Jesus? Have I trusted in you by faith? Do I know you? And then beyond that, God, am I serving you in a way that pleases you? Am I holding out some anger toward you or some bitterness because, God, I felt like you should have done something or you need to do something and I wonder why you haven't? Lord, help us this morning to resolve our relationships with you, trusting that you are always good, that you're forever faithful, and that you always have our best interest in mind. And Lord, you would show us that this message that we can be in a, in a, one, in a good relationship with, with Jesus is not just for us, it's for others. And as we have opportunity, as we pray, as we show love, with love and with patience that we could share that message, that good news with others. And you would begin to do your work in us, that deep work by your spirit of moving beyond forgiveness to reconciliation. All the while truly believing that you make all things new and that you are faithful and that if you started a good work in us, you're faithful to complete it. Help us to see what we should see from these verses and that you want to teach us by your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we get ready to sing the, the call this morning is has centered around that relation around relationships your relationship with Jesus first of all and then second of all your relationship with others and then reminding ourselves of the mission we have to take that message to the world around us and so for this morning it could look like a place of of commitment as you Meet with God either where you're seated or, or down at the front of the altar. Just asking God to, to refresh you and restore you and to help you to, to walk the days ahead faithfully. Maybe it's praying for God to intervene in a relationship, whether that's between two people or that's somebody that's struggling I'm in their walk with the Lord. Or maybe it's just a commitment, a reminder to... Continue to do what you already are doing, and that is to be God's agent for, to promote peace and to share the gospel and to share the good news and the hope of restoration. But whatever the Lord is calling you to do, I trust you'll listen and respond to his voice. And let me just ask you to stand up and we're going to sing together. And while we begin to sing, it's your um, opportunity to have time to respond to speak to the Lord and to listen to his voice. So let's stand and sing together.
something about the name of Jesus. It's powerful. It's the name that is above every name, and it's the name that makes a difference in in your lives. And it's my my prayer as we we leave this place that that the the wholeness of who the Lord Jesus is would be on your your heart and on your mind today, and that that would lead to opportunities to just burst out in song and in praise to your God, to times of thankfulness, expressions of gratitude. And then acts of kindness and love and generosity to others. It's been a great pleasure, as it always is, to open up God's Word together. And now we trust that God will do the work that only He can do in our hearts and our minds as we leave this place. We'll sing together. And when we start to sing, you're free to go. Lord bless you.